Welcome to the Lair of Aquatic Transmissions, presented by the Icelandic University of the Art, Design and Architecture Department, in collaboration with 101 Radio. It's a platform for discussion, ponderings and wonderings about the future relating to design, art, science, etc. My name is Garðar Eyjólfsson, and I'm an associate professor at the Icelandic University of the Arts. And I'm Valgerður Birna Jónsdóttir, a product design student first year. This session is called Robotics, AI and Automation. It's an attempt to raise dialogue about uh, the future of robotics, artificial intelligence and automation, and how it relates to the work of designers, artists and creatives. We have three guests. Could you briefly introduce yourselves? My name is uh, Nils Viberg and I'm an interaction designer at a Icelandic company called Gagarin and I design interactions for experiences in exhibitions. My name is Haltor Eldion and uh, I'm a musician and a designer and a programmer. Um, I like to combine all of these fields in my work. My name is Kristin Arthurson and I'm a professor at Reykjavik University in computer science and I'm also the director of the Icelandic Institute for Intelligent Machines. Thank you. And I'm Vala, and this was Gara that you heard before. So to begin with, since I'm not a specialist, could you start by explaining these concepts shortly that we talked about in the beginning? Okay. Um, yes, I'll, 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 I'll try to be brief. Um, so automation is basically the act of trying to make things happen by themselves. And artificial intelligence is a technique and... Uh, uh, and effort, actually. It's a, it's a research field that aims to copy uh, the principles of thought. And uh, what we see in robotics and the, the, the most recent evolution of, of these efforts is that uh, automation is increasingly being done with artificial intelligence techniques, the fruits of this research field. So the more we can copy uh, thought and make machines do similar things, the more we can automate, because a lot of what people do uh, requires thought. Okay. And how do you see these topics relating to our perceptions of reality today and perhaps the future, Alter? I see it... Um, as we, we are in this strange place now where we are trying to remove ourselves from the equation, in a way. Uh, we're trying to crystallize human experience and knowledge into systems and uh, a field of technology that can be like self-sustainable in a way. Um, as an artist, I find this really interesting because it opens up new opportunities and new ways of, of creating things, for example. But it's also a little bit uh, challenging what we uh, derive meaning from, I think. Like we have for a long time derived meaning from work, 
and uh, more and more the technology of uh, artificial intelligence and automation is usurping people's opportunity to have that kind of work that they used to have. And that's what we used to be our founding idea of uh, what brings meaning to life is something to do. And we have to rethink that, I think, in the wave after we have introduced artificial intelligence and automation to take over those jobs. We have to create new ones and derive meaning from those. Yeah. And you're talking about taking over jobs because when people are usually talking about this, it always have, has this negative side and this dystopia of taking over. Can you see any, can you like foresee any events in the future where this technology could actually cause damage? I mean, definitely. Uh, there's a lot of uh, research being done of uh, artificially intelligent machines that might threaten us on an existential level. Uh, these kind of topics are called like ex existential risks and uh, um, the more you put computers in power of things and the less you have a human in the loop to make important decisions, the more likely it is that such an artificial intelligence might make decisions that are not beneficial to humanity. However, humans have been making decisions not beneficial to humanity for thousands of years as well. <laughs> yeah. But also this layer of technology uh, also creates a, um, some kind of disconnect between the humans that are really in charge and the technology that is maybe putting the decisions into actions. So in a way, it can also be harmful um, when, when you have this detachment or like de you can dehumanize the subject. Yeah, if we start formalizing any, everything into logic, into automation, there's fewer and fewer people who are responsible for this, this, the decisions that have, a, have an impact on your life. Like your taxes are not being judged by a human, your CV is not being read by a human, and uh, those are big and important decisions in your life, and they're more and more and more being taken by computers. So there's like big existential problems, but also smaller problems where things like biases in that technology become evident because the people who wrote those algorithms might not have the same values as the people that used to be judging your CVs, for example. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's ultimately about uh, control and systems. If we trust uh, systems that we don't understand to make decisions and, and control things in ways that we don't understand, then uh, we are taking un undue risks. Uh, and because systems science isn't really well advanced, because people like to apply the scientific method to reduce things to the smallest possible thing that they seem uh, th that they feel is worthy of studying, they hardly ever study systems. And so, for instance, um, I'll, I will I will state this here and and look forward to someone uh, proving me wrong. There's not a single person in Iceland that understands the whole banking system of Iceland. In, in as a system in its entirety and you have to understand it be, you know if you want to rig it in such a way that you don't have the for instance the financial crash that we experienced right um, I have some thoughts because I think the dialogue is heading into an interesting direction I think this um, this topic of work and I, I also because I've been kind of uh, in dialogue with people about this kind of uh, AI and the robotics and how it's kind of affecting mainly jobs and the idea of work. 
But uh, do you see this uh, being discussed in other areas as well? Like how, you know, for example, within art, Haldor, like how are you kind of, you are maybe not tackling this maybe much from, from the lens of work or how it will affect work, but more maybe the dialogue or the interaction between humans and machines and how they uh, co-create, etc. Yeah, it's... Um Maybe, for example, within the music industry, uh, we are seeing more and more artists that are not real, in a way, and we we don't really know if there's some sort of uh, an artificial intelligence behind the scenes composing the songs uh, based on some data about uh, music that people like. Uh, but um, I think uh, when when uh, because all art is created for other humans to com- consume, then we have this tendency to always want to see the person behind it if we want to know more, dig deeper into the art. So when you don't have any face to uh, combine with the artwork, then it, or at least for me, it um, kind of loses its value a bit if it's, if it's, for example, a generated artwork. So uh, my approach with generative art, and uh, I know about uh, a lot of other artists as well that are using um, algorithms and AI systems to create artwork, they they use it um, like in, in the beginning phase of, of uh, art creation, and then they go into a curation phase, or like they curate their generated collections of ideas and pick the ones that uh, they connect with the most and then release that as their generative artworks. Mm-hmm. I understand. I think it would be really nice also to hear your thoughts on this, Niels and uh, Chris. Well, I think there's uh, maybe two kinds of art in this sense. There is like different use qualities to different kinds of art. And some of this art is the one that you're talking about, which has a strong author behind it. And that's who you are interrogating by experiencing or listening to this piece of music or this uh, piece of art. But there's also art with completely different use qualities. Like elevator music could be easily replaced by <laughs> algorithms. I don't think anybody would be crying about that. <laughs> yeah, and, and there, there you're like using art as a tool or a, um, you're using it like a color on a wall. Or it's it, it becomes something else, which is totally fine. Um, but it's still art, but it's... Um, it, ha- it has a different purpose. Yeah, and I see a lot of, uh, for example, club music would maybe even benefit from algorithms that can do part of the job of a DJ of sensing the room and understanding what mood people are in or uh, giving the, the, the DJ new ideas of what music to play. So I think in certain fields, um, it's not at all threatening what we perceive as uh, art with those kinds of uses. But if we're looking at art where you really want to interrogate this art to understand something that the artist is saying about humanity and it's not a human doing it, it becomes a bit too flat, maybe for a lot of people. But there's some big artists out there, like uh, Mario Klingenmann, for example. He's trying to replace himself with a computer that makes 5 by 10 meter Francis Bacon style paintings. And his goal is to make a machine that just keeps doing this. And uh, that's honestly what I think he is trying to do and a lot of artists are trying to do. So it's not all this curation, which I, of course, understand. And that's more like a tool in Photoshop or in a 
in a music software where you can content aware fill a mm -hmm. part of the song and get something similar put in and you use that as a as a tool basically but to to replace the entire artist i see at least in a sort of monetary sense will be difficult to replace i think you can't really replace um, artists with machines because the only art that makes any sense is art by humans for humans and since there is no ai that has a person that has personhood uh, this is not possible we don't even know how to make machines have personhood in in the first place uh, and this relates to a lot of issues other very very deep ones like consciousness and what it means to live in a human society and so on so in my opinion uh, you know it's technology is uh, these are tools and um, any article that says you know this this art was not created by a human uh, they're lying because of course it was created by a human it doesn't mean it, it it doesn't matter what means they used it was created by a human for other humans because the art makes no sense to machines yeah and um like you said the, the, there's no not a one single person that understands the entire icelandic banking system um when i was start, starting out studying generative methods I was reading on the internet and reading about artificial intelligence and uh, these are all systems and you, you, you can draft out the wireframe of the systems and um, th there is an, a limitation how complex a system inside a computer can be because you're always limi limited by the hardware and the storage and the, the time that you are running the software. But as humans we can only have a certain amount of understanding inside our head at once so when we build a system complex enough where we can't grasp it like at a one at, at a single given moment we start experiencing it as generative or like it has a soul so in order to for example create generative artwork you don't even need artificial intelligence because you can just create some sort of complex algorithm that has no learning capabilities but you still perceive it as some kind of intelligence because you don't understand the system but there are also people trying to make art for computers the Faroese musician Goudipal made a very interesting project where he tried to make art for machines and then asked important questions about what art is and why it's meaningful to us which is the things we can't understand and the things that we ask questions about and then ask those questions about the computer and then made music according to those parameters. Mm -hmm. understand. It's like more entering maybe the topic of uh, post-humanism or Something the perspective like of others, etc. We will actually have a, a session about that also later. Uh, I also have a more, more of a... I noticed something in the media, like it's one year old or something. There's been trending this robot called Sophia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. So Sophia is like a humanoid, uh, and she has these kind of human properties, or like she, she looks like a human, but in a, in a kind of uncanny way, I would say. Uh, but recently, Saudi Arabia granted her like a citizenship. Mm. So I thought kind of a nice kind of a interesting idea that you know it's entering certain political arenas as well like this this thought about machines becoming uh, citizens and having rights and and so forth so i thought it was kind of interesting to maybe get your views about this like 
what do we feel about this? Hugely complicated topic, <laughs> uh, especially from a country that doesn't really respect all persons as persons, but <laughs> does respect machines as person. Uh, I think we should consider machines as having objecthood or something like that and analyze them from those properties. Not necessarily analyze them from the properties that make them similar to us, but analyze them on their own terms. Of course, we're trying to imbue our qualities into them, so they will become more and more like us. But if they will reach a point in which they have rights, that's... Um, I don't see it on the immediate horizon anyway. I don't see a movement petitioning for it. I mean, Kubrick did this really well in 2001, uh, basically asking the question, you know, can we know whether HAL 9000 is, it really has feelings or not? And uh, the answer is basically, there's no way for us to know if we don't have a theory of what consciousness is. Um, uh, and, but a, a corollary is, you know, does it show any signs of actually having pain? And I think at that point, when, when we have irrefutable or, or, or hard to refute evidence that machines actually experience real pain, then I think we, we need to revisit this issue. But until then, this is a huge PR stunt. Okay. It's difficult enough to prove that other humans experience things. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> given that evidence is still a bit uh, dodgy, I think it's a long way away to prove that machines have it. Right. I think also on a similar note, I guess maybe speaking to the same rhetoric is this kind of uh, the topic of work. And I think many people you know, relate kind of the, the, the rise of the machines or the kind of, you know, the introduction of robotics and AI as a somewhat of a threat, you know, that, you know, they are taking over our jobs, basically. And I'm wondering, like, is it, is it, uh, should be, should we be concerned or is it, is it maybe, you know, again, uh, maybe a PR stunt as well, or is it, is it, we don't have no, to No, I mean, that's real. Uh, the, the, the speed of change can have profound disruptive effects on societies. And uh, it's too early now to tell. I mean, this is going to happen for at least another 40 to 60 years. I mean, we're just going to be having this. We could meet here every year and have this session, actually, and have updated uh, information on it. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a huge change. And the question is, how fast does it happen? If it happens too fast or, you know, at a certain rate, then it's going to have, uh, then the systems we have in place now, governments and cities, etc., are not able to keep up. And the educational system is one part of this. Uh, if, if people lose their job to a machine, uh, they should have an opportunity to get re-educated and, and uh, re-enter society. Uh, and in fact, you know, we, we see this trend already happening that people are going back to school all the time now. And it's 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 becoming the norm, so this is real. This is real. It's happening, uh, but we're in very very early stages, and we have to be we have to tread lightly and and be 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 sure that uh, we have our footing. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually very real. I think these uh, potential threats to, for example, the political system and uh, also the power dynamics of of a society. Uh, just imagine in America, inside of ten years. Two million people are working with uh, driving trucks. All of these people unemployed will have a huge impact on uh, the life of uh, the electorate and thus the voting of the electorate, and that might change everything. Yeah, which again then brings forward the question about like the topic of work. Perhaps we have to maybe 
revisit that idea of like, you know, how to live daily rituals, you know, is the purpose of life really only work or can we maybe explore other venues? Yeah, the ideologies we have are very old. They are from the industrial revolution and they have not really caught up with the next industrial revolutions. So they are valuing very much and deriving people's think that people derive their meaning from work. And then when that gets shuffled a little bit, what what people have been told, namely you should derive your meaning in life from your work and also your salary, uh, comes into question. And uh, people have to, thinkers and writers and artists, uh, need to to start speaking to this. Mm -hmm. And also politically we need to maybe reframe how we organize society in this sense. Yeah, I have one last, just quickly, we're almost out of time, but I think uh, we've been kind of visiting this question again and again throughout the uh, sessions, but there seems to be like uh, like a certain call or a need uh, maybe from both scientists and designers and artists that there should be maybe more platforms to kind of both discuss these things, research things, these things, and also manifest, uh, you know, possibilities, both real and hypothetical. So is is this what do you think about this? Is this something we should maybe look at more in in Iceland, for example? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first of all, it's important that that this kind of technological development is happening also in Iceland, because I think it's important that these technologies are imbued with values other than the ones in Silicon Valley. And if we have this technology being developed here, I think it's very important that that research is done in parallel with people with people asking these questions about meaning about. Uh, what consequences socially and politically this might have. And that's a perfect arena to have a debate with with artists and uh, and designers, which maybe does not have the same space or, or friction made possible within academia itself or within research itself. So, Absolutely. I think, yeah, the, the, uh, the increased number of and types of forums to discuss this uh, is very important. And both semi-structured and highly structured and and open form and maybe people are afraid of this um, this uh, the machines taking over our jobs because that's the only news angle that ever gets traction not uh, not stories that are really explaining what's behind the scenes or, or trying to educate how you can maybe become a part of creating the systems or creating structure around them yeah, that's good last words. So thank you for coming in today and thank you for listening. <laughs>